From the unexplained to the mundane, come join us on a journey to the fringe. Hello and welcome to Journey to the Fringe. We are to the fringe what lasagna is to Mondays, or something like that. I uh, I haven't read Garfield in a while, I'm not going to lie. We are your Sunday comicless hosts, Taylor and Chelsea. Today, we are going to take a roundabout way to look at assholes of the UFO community, Chelsea. Hooray! We're not going to get to them today, but Chelsea, you're going to get really excited about this episode. We are going to be talking about Project Serpo. Oh, yay! One of my favorite stories. It's a fantastic one. And this is going to be a multiple part episode, likely two. Today, all we're going to do is actually talk about the story of Project Serpo itself. Okay. This oh, can all be found. Chelsea, I do not want you to go to this website at this time because that's going to be part two that we're going to look at it. Okay. But it's all on a website called serpo.org. It was organized all about all this information that came out about it. There's just a few names that come up in it that we're going to get to. But without further ado, all I'm going to do is go right through the website, Project Serpo, and we're going to go through the story as it unfolds. Okay, so there's a website for this. Serpo.org, yes. Okay. Do not go to this website. Okay. <laughs> that is for part two. Okay. Serpo.org has its introduction right at the top. It was put together by Bill Ryan. His claim to fame is he's part of Project Camelot. Likes his projects, I guess. Yeah, I was just going to say, he sounds very familiar. This all starts in 2005. So right off the start, we're just going to start with the introduction. This site is not authored by anyone with direct access to confidential information. Rather, its purpose is to present to the public information that has been released and to examine that information in a clear, balanced, and intelligent way. The information began to be released on November 2nd, 2005 by a retired senior official within the U.S. Defense Intelligence Agency, DIA, who calls himself, quote, anonymous, end quote. Ah. Until he chooses to make his name known, this is the way that he will be represented here. Anonymous reports that he is not acting individually and is part of a group of six DIA personnel working together as an alliance, three current and three former employees. He is the chief spokesman. Up to and including December 21st of 2005, the information was released in installments on a private UFO email list moderated by Victor Martinez. This name is always referenced when Project Serpo comes up. No idea who Victor Martinez is. I couldn't find anything about him. He apparently just ran a UFO email chain that he would send out like weekly emails. And uh, this okay. it started with him and it moved on to Bill here. But it's not that important. The list at that time contained about 150 people, including many extremely well-known names within the UFO research community and related or leading edge scientific fields. Until permissions are granted, their names will be withheld out of courtesy and to respect confidentiality. Those on the list have differing views regarding the veracity of the anonymous claims. However, the pedigree of the list as a whole is important to emphasize. There have been a substantial amount of intelligent discussions about the revelations it's important to stake that there are many senior people in the U.S. intelligence and military community who are taking this information very seriously. It may now be time to release this information to a wider audience in close approximation to the format in which it was originally made available. After December 21st, there was a long gap in the postings and many concluded that Anonymous had gone to ground or stopped his disclosures completely. There was no communication from him of any kind and finally on January 24th, information was received by Bill 
Ryan, the author of this website, which was not initially sent to Victor Martinez. Subsequent information was also received by Bill Ryan and posted to this website accordingly. When sending the information to Victor Martinez, Anonymous wrote 85% of the material. Another 13% came from another source directly connected with the project. And the final 1-2% to came from a ghost who cancelled his email account as soon as he sent his information. It is not yet known whether this pattern will continue. Oh shit, that's terrifying. <laughs> just so everybody knows, if you ever need just an anonymous email, there's something called 10 Minute Mail. Like literally just type in 10 Minute Mail into Google. And it's a website that will create an email that only needs to last for 10 minutes and then it'll never exist again. So it's not that terrifying or hard to do. Oh, it was ghosts that scared me. Okay, yes, there's ghosts involved here. Yes. Oh, right here, it's counting down. Yeah. I have no inbox. Okay, mail. You know what? Let's just get right into this start. So this is the first email that gets sent to Victor Martinez that gets sent out to all these people on this email list. First, let me introduce myself. My name is Request Anonymous. So not actually anonymous. He says Request Anonymous and they're both capitalized. Okay, that's weird. I am a retired employee of the US government. I won't go into any details about my past, but I was involved in a special program. As for Roswell, it occurred, but not like the storybooks tell. There are two crash sites. One southwest of Corona, New Mexico, and the second site at Polona Peak, south of Detail, New Mexico. The crash involved two extraterrestrial aircrafts. The Corona site was found a day later by an archaeology team. The team reported the crash site and a deputy arrived the next day and summoned a state police officer. One live entity, that we call EBE, was found hiding between a rock. The entity was given water but declined food. The entity was later transferred to Los Alamos. The information eventually went to Roswell Army Airfield. The site was examined and all evidence was removed. The bodies were taken to Los Alamos National Laboratory because they had a freezing system that allowed the bodies to remain frozen for research. The craft was taken to Roswell and then on to Wright Field, Ohio. The second site was not discovered until August of 1949 by two ranchers. They reported their findings several days later to the sheriff of Catron County, New Mexico. Because of the remote location, it took the sheriff several days to make his way to the crash site. Once at the site, the sheriff took photographs and then drove back to Detail. Sandia Army Base, Albuquerque, New Mexico, was then notified. A recovery team from Sandia took custody of all evidence, including six bodies, and the bodies were taken to Sandia Air Base, but later transferred to Los Alamos. The live entities established communication with us and provided us with a location of his home planet. The entity remained alive until 1952 when he died, but before this death, he provided us with a full explanation of the items found inside the two spacecrafts. One item was a communication device and the entity was allowed to make contact with his planet. Somehow, I never knew this information, but a meeting date was set for April 1964 near Alamogordo, I think that's right, New Mexico. The aliens landed and retrieved the bodies of their dead comrades, and information was exchanged. Communication was in English, the aliens had a translation device. In 1965, we had an exchange program with the aliens. We carefully selected 12 military personnel, 10 men and 2 women, and they were trained, vetted, and carefully removed from the military system. The 12 were skilled in various specialties. Near the northern part of the Nevada test site, the aliens landed and the 12 Americans left. One entity was left on Earth, and the original plan was for 12 people to stay 10 years and then return to Earth. But something went wrong. The 12 remained until 1978 when they were returned to the same location in Nevada. Seven men and one woman returned. Two died on the alien's home planet, and four others decided to remain according to the returnees. Of the eight that returned, all have died, and the last survivor died in 2002. Just so it's clear, I think what he's saying here is 
had eight returned, but of those, two of them were dead, but they were returned and the other four stayed. Okay, makes sense. The returnees were isolated from 1978 until 1984 at various military installations. The Air Force Office of Special Investigations was responsible for their security and safety. They also conducted debriefing sessions with the returnees. I have never seen or read anything about the exchange program. I once heard a little bit of information from Linda Howe, but she didn't have much info. I've monitored your emails for about six months. I've read emails from you and others, but I've never seen nor heard the truth about the Roswell incident or the exchange program. I'd like to hear what others have to say about this. So that is the first official mention of this. It's from a completely okay. anonymous source, and that's what he says it is. Okay. And at this point, it's not called Serpo either. That's just what they say. Yeah, okay. And then, because it's in an email chain, there is back and forth within it. So as we go forward in this, sometimes he's going to be referring to people in emails, just so you know. It's an email chain, but it's with an email from a ghost. One of them is, like he said, oh, like okay. one to 2% of them were received from that email. Okay. So that's the first post. It was on November 2nd. Then on November 4th, we get the next one. Paul is not correct. There are two females, one being a doctor and the other being a linguist. The Eben planet is located within a solar system of the Zeta Reticular star system. The planet had two suns, but their angles were small and allowed some darkness on the planet, depending on one's location. The planet was tilted, which allowed the northern part of the planet to be cooler. And the planet was a little less than the Earth's size. The atmosphere was similar to Earth's and contained the elements Chon, which he puts, but it's carbon, hydrogen, oxygen, nitrogen. Zeta Reticular is approximately 37 light years from Earth, and it took our team and an Eben craft nine months to travel the distance. During the trip, each of our team members were frequently dizzy, disoriented, and suffered headaches. The craft did not go through any weightlessness during the trip, and the craft was very large and allowed the team to exercise. Once the team arrived on the Eben planet, it took them several months to adjust to the atmosphere. During this adjustment period, they suffered headaches, dizziness, and disorientation. The bright sun of Eben planet also presented problems. Although they had sunglasses, they still suffered from the bright sunlight and the dangers of sun exposure. The radiation levels of the planet was a little higher than that of the Earth, and they were oh, careful yikes. to cover their bodies at all times. The Ebens had no form of refrigeration except in industry, which I kind of find hilarious. What? I guess for like MRIs, like you need super chilling. That's what they mean for like the process of creating things and for science. So they have the technology, they just choose they to just not don't, yeah, they don't need use to chill it for everything. Food. Yeah. yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. The temperature of the planet at the center portion stayed around 94 to 115 degrees Fahrenheit, which is between 35 and 45 degrees. They did have clouds and rain, but not frequently. And at the northern hemisphere of the planet, the temperatures dropped to between 55 and 80 degrees, which is like 15 to 25 degrees. This was too cool for the Ebens, or at least most. Our team did find Ebens living in the north, but in very small villages. Our team eventually located to the north in order to stay cool, and the ground transportation used by our team was similar to a helicopter. The power station was a sealed energy device that provided electrical power and lift for the craft. It was very easy to fly and our pilots learned systems within days. The Ebens did have vehicles which floated above the ground and did not have any tires or wheels. There were leaders, but no real form of government. There was virtually no crime seen by the team and they had an army, which also acted as the police force, but no guns or weapons of any type were seen by our team. They were regularly meeting within each small community. There were regular meetings within each each small community, and there was one large community which acted as the central point of the civilization. All the industry was at this one large community and there was no money. Every even was issued what they needed, no stores or malls or shopping locations, and there were central distribution centers where evens would obtain items of needs. 
All Evens worked in some capacity, children were kept at very isolated, and the only trouble our team members got into was when they attempted to photograph Even children. The army politely escorted them away and cautioned them not to do it again. That's the end of that one. <laughs> the one thing I actually want to know about, they said crime was virtually not seen by this group. So I want to know what crime they actually saw. It's true. People are going to ask questions if you say that. I always love this hearing about this. Oh yeah, and it's hilarious how specific the story is. You gotta be specific. Just like you got to be specific in your numbers. Exactly. And speaking of specific numbers, the next one on November 5th is statistics on the even planet. They were collected by our team. And here's the pertinent data for your UFO thread list. Diameter, 7,218 miles. Mass, 5.06 times 10.24. Distance from the sun, 1, 96.5 million miles. Sun number 2, 91.4 million miles. Moon, 2. Surface gravity, 9.6 meters per second squared, which is close to ours, 9.8 meters per second squared. Rotation period 43 days orbit 865 days tilt 43 degrees temperature minimum 43 max 126 distance from earth 38.43 light years planet named by team serpo nearest planet to serpo auto <laughs> distance 88 million miles colonized by evens with research base but no natural inhabitants on planet number of planets in even solar system six nearest inhabited planet to serpo the name silas silas is made up of creatures of various types but no intelligent life forms and evens use the planet to mine minerals distance to that one 434 million miles we did have visitors from nine other star systems and the grays which some people characterize as being like the evens were not they came from a planet near alpha centauri a there's a third class of visitors that came from a g2 star system in leo and another class of visitors came from a g2 star system in epsilon eridani the visitors were classified by a code the codes which was classified in itself was extraterrestrial entities ete ete2 were the evens which ebe is what he calls them but after this he calls them evens the grades were ete3 and so on the red book lists nine different visitors and we determined recently that some of the visitors were the same type of race but a mechanical life form and they were hybrid beings that were created in a laboratory rather than by natural birth. The creatures were more like robots, and although they were intelligent and could make decisions, they might be the hostile visitors that some people report. To the best of my knowledge, we have not had any visitations since 1985 from the Evens. We don't read all of them because there's a ton and it would take a long time to actually get through all of them, so I'm just kind of picking the highlights from here. This is November 9th, the Force post by Anonymous in 2005. Thanks for forwarding my information to your email list without ID me, I realize it might be a little difficult for you to keep my name confidential with the mounting pressure enormous, but I don't wish to reveal it at this time. Perhaps to Richard C. Doty in due time, as his questions and online demeanor seem to be the most fair, open-minded, and his questions posed were the most reasonable as I monitor the online feedback after each new posting. Shut up. Is this guy anonymous? Yeah, this is the anonymous guy. This guy's Richard guy. Doty. This is Richard Doty. <laughs> I also realize your list of quizzical people have numerous probing questions. I'll try to answer them, but you must understand that all of this information is contained in a huge volu voluminous... Voluminous? Yeah book. There are literally hundreds of pages of scientific calculations trying to understand Serpo, the orbit, and everything else. I could not possibly relate all the information via email. Our scientists had the same questions as posed by your audience. Our scientists questioned our team members and the information they gathered. Our scientists could not understand how the orbit of Serpo could have revolved around the two suns at the distance measured. In the end, our scientists found that some things relating to the particular system was different in physics compared to our system. And there were some questions about how our team measured the orbit 
bit and other calculations based on the lack of stable time base for some reason and I don't think this was ever determined. Our time instruments did not work on Serpo. Now considering this, you can understand the difficult job our team members had making calculations without time. They had to come up with an alternative method to measure speeds and orbits. Challenge. Try to solve a problem in physics without being able to measure time on Earth. So you see, our team did the best they could with the instruments they had and the hardships they developed attempting scientific calculations. It is difficult for any Earth-based scientist to understand the different physics in other solar systems or on other planets. And one of the questions sent to me involved Kepler's law of monetary motion. Our team had that information. We had some of the best military scientists on the team. But if you consider Kepler's law, it requires time and our team could only measure time in the conventional way. It was determined that Kepler's law did not apply to that solar system. Which, by the way, they put Kepler's law right here. There are edits. The first law states that planets move on an elliptical path with the sun at one focus point. Law 2 states that a planet moves faster when closer to the sun and slower when further away. And Law 3 makes it possible to calculate a planet's relative distance from the sun. Specifically, the law states that the cube of a planet's average distance from the sun is equal to the square of the time it takes for the planet to complete its orbit. Okay, and that doesn't apply to the solar system. No, apparently because we need time to measure it and they didn't have time. Because we use, like, Earth is all based around basically our yeah. orbit and our rotation around the sun. This doesn't actually make any sense, though, because, like, they've been talking a long time, and I'm not a physicist, but you can use quasars as a very consistent timing base. So I've heard that consistently from astronomers and physicists, so this just straight up isn't true. I mean, that makes sense what you're saying, and is an excellent addition here in what they're saying. I mean, physics is physics. Wouldn't it be universal? I can't say. When you actually look at it, a lot of physicists will say it's not necessarily universal. We don't know. We just don't know. That's true. And plus, we're looking at it in our solar system on our planet. So exactly yeah. different somewhere else. Okay. Serpo was estimated to be about 3 billion years old. The two suns were about 5 billion years old, but only by estimation. The Eben civilization was estimated to be about 10,000 years old, and they evolved from another planet, not on Serpo. The original home planet of the Ebens was threatened with extreme volcanic activity, and the Ebens had to relocate to Serpo in order to protect their civilization. This occurred about 5,000 years ago. The Ebens had a great interplanetary battle with another race about 3,000 years ago, and the Ebens lost many thousands in their battle. The Ebens completely eliminated all of their enemies, and the Ebens never fought another war since. The Ebens have been space travelers for the past 2,000 years, and the Ebens first visited Earth about 2,000 years ago. The Eben civilization was so structured that they planned the birth of each and every child, spacing them apart to allow the proper social grouping of the civilization. Eben children matured at a super rate compared to Earth children, and our team watched live births attended by an Eben doctor, and then watched the development of the child over a period of time, team members' time. They matured at an alarming rate. The Ebens had scientists, doctors and technicians, and there was one educational facility on the planet. If one was chosen, you attended the facility and learned the job one was best qualified and suited for. Although it was extremely difficult to judge or measure, the team estimated each Evans IQ to be 165. No idea how. <laughs> I like how that was set up. Okay. Yeah. The Eben had no single ruler, there was a council of governors, which the team named, and the group controlled every single action on the planet. The members of the council seemed to have been around for a long time, since Ebens didn't age, or at least our team couldn't detect aging. It was difficult to judge the age of each member. There were about a hundred oh different villages Lord. or living locations for the Ebens, and the Ebens only used a small portion of their planet. They did mine minerals in remote areas of the planet, and had large industrial plant in the southern portion of the planet near a body of water. And our team determined this plant had some sort of hydro 
hydroelectrical operations. Our team's living quarters, which consisted of several small buildings, contained electricity powered by a small box. And this small box supplied all the power our team needed. Ironically, the electrical equipment our team brought to the trip worked using their own power source only. Ebens did die, and our team members saw deaths, some from accidents and some from natural causes, and even buried the bodies similar to our method. Our team saw two air accidents involving their intraplanet flying vehicles. So apparently they have them, but they're just like not great at piloting them. They crash <laughs> on our planet, they crash there all the time. <laughs> the Evens worship a supreme being, and it appears to have some sort of deity relating to the universe. They conducted daily services normally at the end of the first work period, and they had a building or church they entered to worship. Our team left Earth in a large, even spacecraft and flew to Serpo in approximately nine months by our team's measurement of time. Upon our team's return, they traveled on a new Eben craft, and the time estimated by our team for the return was seven months. So technology really improved in those 10 years. Well, either that, or you know how when you're, like, flying to, Oh, like, yeah, it's uphill Europe. to Serpo, and it's downhill. Yeah, exactly. And... With the wind stream. Yeah. Current. So that's the end of that one. The next posting is on November 13th. Thank you for your cooperation you display regarding my information. Your attention to this matter is highly and greatly appreciated. I sometimes type faster than think, and thus my fingers make the grammar spelling errors. Which, by the way, this is rife with spelling errors. <laughs> he's typing too fast. <laughs> yeah, he's just going too fast. Too many thoughts to get out. I love this one. My colleagues and I are discussing several different options regarding the release of this information. First, we must obtain proper sanctions from past officials. The group called MJ-12, which I don't think we've specifically done an episode on, but is Majestic 12. It's come up. It has come up. Maybe we do an episode on it soon. It came up in Richard Doty. Yeah. Man, what is up with these episodes? Yeah, so this guy definitely is Richard Doty. <laughs> He's definitely Richard Doty, right? <laughs> But for the sake of clarity, we'll just call them MJ-12. The actual name of the group was who controlled, managed, and oversaw the Serpo project was called blank blank. And it's just like, <laughs> Chelsea, I just need to share my screen for a second. Like, you need to see this. It is literally blank blank. Oh, yep. It's literally. Like, it's, it's literally just blank, empty blank. lines. It's, yeah, it's line line. Okay. <laughs> It would have been better if he made it with the spaces for, like, Hangman. Many have died, but we still have a few around. We are asking their approval for release. Next, we must obtain current official sanctions, and this may be a little more difficult. Current DIA officials have very little knowledge of the subject matter. However, we will move ahead with our plans. Our main supporter is blank, blank, blank. <laughs> A former director of blank. He is in our corner and will support our gradual release plan. We are also considering your suggestion of releasing 100 key pages out of the 3,000 to you, and then you're forwarding them around the country to the six key individuals you named in your email. Dr. Blank Blank, Dr. Blank Blank, Blank Blank, Blank Blank, Blank Blank, and Blank Blank. Of individuals, I agree with you that it would be manifest importance to have someone like Dr. Blank Blank, who has the stature of prominence in the scientific community, come on board and in the loop to not only give credibility to the program release, but also to assist in explaining the complex scientific physics theories and principles to the layperson. And just so that we're on the same page, I bet you one of those Dr. Blank Blanks is Dr. Stephen Greer, because that guy comes up adjacent to this. Do you think that there is an actual doctors that they were trying to say or do you just think they're like fuck it let's throw in <laughs> a few titles to, yeah, yeah. <laughs> just so it seems like we have all these people we're gonna release. i really like that you can't name it but he knows that these people would be offended if their doctor title was not included in their blank <laughs> yeah. 
Most doctors are. And that's the end of that one. And then the sixth one comes on November 14th, 2005. You will be honored one day for providing assistance in our release of information. Many thanks. I do not feel that a dialogue or argument with non-believers would benefit our cause. They have the right to criticize our information, but none of them will ever be involved in the final process. This was a gigantic problem to say the least. It took our linguists, and sorry, this is like him answering some of the questions that are coming up. And I think the question is like, did, how did you communicate? This was a gigantic problem to say the least. It took our linguist specialists several years to adequately establish a form of communication with the Ebens. A group of Ebens learned to understand English and a few other languages. The group contained the Travelers, as our team called them. Our team members connected themselves with the Travelers, although the team couldn't always understand their responses. The Eben Travelers understood our team most of the time. And during this time period, the only exchange of information was simple. The Travelers did not fully understand all words in our language. Later, the Ebens called our language too complicated and difficult to understand. Their IQ is 165, remember. <laughs> We eventually determined the even total language to be very complicated and extremely hard to translate. We were able to record their language and then play it back, listening to each tonal dialect and each tonal bar. Eventually, we crudely translated some of the language, and we started with simple items, for example, the flying object that they used to travel around their planet on. Yeah, that's what I would start with, too. Yeah. And things like houses, roads, foods, clothing, their sun, their planes, ETC. Although we did establish some form of communication it was crude and not always helpful for our team when something complicated happened for example when our first team member died in an accident it was hard to communicate with the evens the members died instantly therefore no medical care was provided our two doctors examined the members bodies and determined the injuries were consistent with an accidental fall <laughs> from their dangerous crafts i was just gonna say <laughs> yeah Initially, the Evens never interfered with our care or offered to provide any of their medical care. However, once the Evens, a very benevolent and caring people, saw our team members crying, the Evens stepped in and offered to attempt some sort of medical care. Although our doctors felt the team member was medically dead, they allowed the Evens to try their own medical care. Most of this was either through sign language or speaking to the travelers who could understand some English. The Evens transported the team member's body to a remote area of the largest community, and they took the body into a large building, apparently their hospital or medical center. And the Evens used a large examination table to view the body. The Ebens ran a large bluish green light over the body. Why do blue lights come up so much? Is it just because they're so sci-fi? Probably. They like look cool. The Ebens watched a display that appeared on a large screen that looked like a television screen and the readouts were in the Eben written language and thus our team could not understand it. However, there was a graphic display similar to a heat beat graph. Heartbeat graph. Oh, it says heat beat. I think he means heartbeat. He is a bad speller, he said. He's typing his He's just going so fast. <laughs> The solid line was not wavering and our doctors understood that meant that same things that their equipment measured. The heart was not beating. Evans administered some liquids through a needle and this was done several times and eventually the heart started beating. But our doctors knew their internal organs of the body were damaged but couldn't fully explain that to the Evans. The Evans finally made a sign placing their hands on the chest and bowing their heads. Our team members knew that meant the body was dead and nothing could be done. And the Evans showed affection to our team during the last work period and the Ebens had a ceremony for the dead team member and the same ceremony used when an Eben died. Our team held their own service attended by the Ebens and the Ebens were extremely curious about their religious service. One team member who was acting as a minister performed a death service and our team was eternally grateful for the Ebens care and gratitude of our dead friend. Our team witnessed an aircraft accident that killed four Ebens. The Ebens performed a form of ritual at the crash site and the Ebens transported the bodies to a medical facility and examined the bodies. Our team members were also 
allowed to accompany the Evens except during the rest period when the Evens closed their doors for privacy. Our team members saw the sorrow in the eyes of Evens during the death of their own. And later, after the last work period of the day, the Evens had a funeral. At least that is what our team concluded it was. The Evens' bodies were wrapped in a white cloth. Several types of liquid were poured over the bodies and large numbers of Evens would stand in a circle chanting. The sound became almost nauseating to our team members and the ceremony lasted for a long time. Finally, the bodies were placed in a metal container and buried in a remote location away from the communities. After the burial, the Evens had a feast. Large tables of food were brought out and everyone ate, danced, and played games. And this occurred at every Even death witnessed by our team. I don't know how many they witnessed. <laughs> Because I thought they said it was pretty damn rare. This is weird. Okay. <laughs> the individual even families lived a simple life. Their homes were constructed of clay, some types of material similar to wood, and some metal. The houses all looked the same. They appeared to be something from the southwest, looking like adobe, which is like the New Mexico style. So that's probably why all the aliens are in New Mexico. It's because it looks like it there. Well, that's where Richard Doty is. <laughs> the interior of the house consisted of four <laughs> rooms. One sleeping room where all the even slept in the same room on mats, a food preparation room, a family room, and a small waste room. This brought up an interesting point for our team. The Evens did not have a physiological need to release body waste as we did. The Evens had small collection locations in their residence for their body waste, but the Even body was extremely efficient in processing all food taken in. Their body waste consisted of a small amount of fecal matter, slimmer to that of a small cat dropping. Oh, I'm glad I have this information now. Chelsea, just so that we're both on the same page, I clearly think that Richard Doty's typing so fast and he just is looking out his window at the <laughs> houses of New Mexico and he also saw his cat pooping beside him and is just writing a stream of consciousness. I feel like he's not able to draw from anything that is outside his experience. <laughs> our team members never saw any urine excretions from an even. On the other hand, our team members' waste consisted of bulk quantities of both fecal matter and urine. An even had to dig a large waste reception site for our 12 team members' waste. <laughs> and the evens accommodated our team. Food, as I mentioned previously, was a problem for our team. Our members consumed mostly military-style sea rations, but eventually had to switch to Eben food. Ebens had a variety of food items. They grew vegetables. Our team found items similar to potatoes, but they tasted different, and they had some type of lettuce, turnips, and tomatoes. And they were the only items similar to ours. The Evens had other vegetables grown. Well, it didn't seem to affect their pooping, so... Nope. That's great. <laughs> our team members never got a real taste for the liquid. The Evens cooked food... And they made pots of stew, which were extremely tasteless to our team. We used a lot of salt and pepper, and they also baked a form of bread. It was a non-yeast bread and tasted fairly good. It would cause extreme constipation to our team members, and we had to drink large quantities of water in order to digest the bread. But they hated the water, and plus they were pooping just fine. Apparently they are pooping a lot. <laughs> they got their hole. The one common food that Evens and our team members liked was the fruit. The Evens ate a great quantity of fruit, and the fruit, although different from anything we saw, was sweet. Some of the fruit tasted something like melons, while others tasted like apples. Another problem was water. The water on Serpo contained a number of unknown chemicals found by our team. And our team eventually had to boil the water before drinking it. Seeing this, the Evens built a large plant that processed water for our team. In our team's final report, written by the commander, Colonel, the report states that during the exchange period, he was careful not to use the exact time period. The team was able to communicate with the Evens about 50% of the time, and there were some things that we were never able to communicate. Our team brought along softball equipment for sporting activity, and the Evens would watch the game and laugh out loud. <laughs> and even the laugh sounded like a high-pitched yell. 
So I think they were just yelling at them. <laughs> Can I just ask a question? The water. It said it was made up of chemicals that we don't know. Yeah. But, like, I wouldn't expect that if you're boiling water here that it would take the hydrogen or the oxygen out of well no and water has to be hydrogen and oxygen that's what makes it water i don't know what they mean by there is other chemicals in it that we didn't know okay that was my question i just don't understand it maybe they're drinking a different form of water or something like physics don't apply there maybe chemistry doesn't apply there yeah so anything's water it's liquid enough yeah true true so i mean if it's made up of different elements you wouldn't be expecting to boil that out of it no exactly that's the weird thing and like technically yeah it should remove it but like we don't know what those chemicals are so how do we actually know what's going to remove it yeah exactly okay i just had to bring up that point so yeah they're watching them play softball that's where we left off they're yelling at them which is laughing apparently and eventually the even started playing the game but never got used to catching the ball before it hit the ground our team also played touch football. Again, the Evens watched the game intensely and then played it themselves. But again, like softball, the Evens never figured out that they had to catch the ball before it hit the ground. Their IQ so And again, high. IQ 165. <laughs> but nerds don't know play sports, so yeah. I guess it's true. Sense. Horrible drivers and horrible athletes. Although our team members honored the privacy of Evens, our team was allowed to witness births. <laughs> and our team snooping around was able to capture the sexual activity of the Evens. Oh my god. The males and females had similar sexual organs and performed intercourse. I don't know if they meant like similar sexual organs to us or just they had the same organs as each other. That's a, That would be a good... But I'm going to repeat that again. The male and females had similar sexual organs and performed intercourse. Uh, you bring up a good point that doesn't differentiate between what you're saying. Okay. The frequency of sexual activity was not recorded as being as often as our society performed. It was believed that they performed the act for pleasure and reproduction. That's the end of that one. Uh, okay, that's confusing. That's a confusing one. Okay. Next up, November 17th, 2005. Our team contained two geologists and they were also cross-trained as biologists. The first thing our geologists did was map the entire planet and the first step was to divide the planet in half, thus creating an equator. And then they established a North Hemisphere and South Hemisphere. Within each hemisphere, they, equate, they created four quadrants. Apparently, the Ebens had never done this or thought to map their planet out, so... <laughs> I'm just assuming this. Okay. Or that they never gave these guys a map, because they just wanted to yell at them all the time. Yeah, okay. There were volcanic rock formations, and part of the extreme south contained a rock desert. Temperatures at the South Pole were measured at between 90 and 135 degrees Fahrenheit. Going further north and from the South Pole in Quadrant 1, the team found extrusive rocks. This indicated some volcanic activity in the area, and our team found numerous volcanoes in this. And again, or sorry, I haven't said this, but that temperature that he just said, 135 degrees Fahrenheit, is higher than the maximum temperature that he's listed earlier. Just so <laughs> that we're on the same page. Okay. <laughs> The radiation levels were lower in the Northern Hemisphere than at the equator and the Southern Hemisphere. The North Pole contained cold weather and the team saw the first sign of snow. Blankets of snow littered the landscape around the North Pole and the snow measured about 20 feet at its steepest. And again, this is a place that never went below 55 degrees Fahrenheit, which is well above freezing. But the temperature was a constant 33 degrees Fahrenheit, well below the temperature range. 
<laughs> our team never found the temperature to vary in this region. The Evens could not stand to be in this region for long, and they suffered extreme hypothermia. Kazim's guide wore a suit similar to a spacesuit with built-in heaters. Our team found evidence of past earthquakes, fault lines, and were found along the northern tip of the southern hemisphere. Exfoliation was observed along the extrusive rocks, which indicated magma flow in the past. Our team brought back hundreds of samples of Serpo soil, vegetation, water, and other items for testing on Earth, and during our team's exploration, they discovered numerous types of animals. The strangest was the beast, which looked like a large ox. The animal was timid and never seemed to be hostile. No idea why they call it the beast then. You know, a lot of this is reminding me of Coneheads. (laughs) (laughs) Another animal looked like a mountain lion, but had long fur around the neck, so like a lion. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> this animal was curious, but was not considered hostile by the Ebens. There's a bit of a break until the next one on November 29th. I decided to concentrate this release on the team with their selection process, communication problems, and the final exchange that they had. There have been many questions pertaining to these issues. Background, EB number one, provided communication devices that allowed us to contact Serpo. The communication device was on board the Eben spacecraft that crashed in July of 1947 near Corona. EB one showed us the proper use of this communication device prior to his death. However, the device did not function properly and no contact could be made with Serpo. Just prior to EB number one's death, an American scientist from Los Alamos figured out the device worked and connected an energy source found in the Eben craft to the communication device. With Eben 1's assistance, the language input, several signals were sent during the summer of 1952, and in fall of 1952, we received several signals on the device. EB 1 translated the messages and provided us with the information. EB 1 sent six messages. The first message was just letting his planet know he was alive, and the second message explained the crash and the death of his crew, which they probably didn't find out of the ordinary. No. Third message asked for a rescue craft. Fourth message suggested a formal meeting with Earth's leaders. Fifth message is an exchange program. Sixth message provided landing coordinates for any future rescue or visitation mission to Earth, and the incoming message gave a time and date and confirmed a landing location. However, once the message was translated by EB-1, it was determined the date was over 10 years away. Fearing that EB-1, who was sick at this point, did not translate the message correctly, our scientists began to translate the message, and based on the even language that was taught to us by EB-1. But they only knew, like, basic things like that what that plant is called and what the aircraft is called not like sentence structure and apparently he spoke english too but not really and they could only get 50 (laughs) percent yeah Okay, fair enough. They even sent a message indicating that they would return to Earth on a particular number, date, and location that we chose. The date was April 24th, 1964, and the location was in southern sector of White Sands Missile Range, New Mexico. Our team planned for two locations, one cover location at Holloman Air Force Base near Alamogordo, New Mexico, and the other, which would be the actual landing location, was west of Holloman near the southern entrance of White Sands Army Post. The first even craft entered our atmosphere during the afternoon of April 24th, 1964, and the even craft landed at the wrong location near Socorro, New Mexico. <laughs> You're such bad drivers. Our team was in place at White Sands and we were able to communicate a message to the even craft that they landed at the wrong place. <laughs> the second even craft picked up the message and landed at the correct location. At the meeting, the even craft landed so exactly close. at the location we sent. <laughs> 
<laughs> there were 16 U.S. senior close. government officials on the ground. Some were political and some were senior officials, including military officers. The Evans exited their craft and walked under a pre-located canopy. The Evans gave gifts of their technology and the Even had a crude translator device. It appeared to be some sort of microphone with a readout screen. The senior U.S. officials was given one of the devices and the Even kept the other one. The official spoke into the device and the screen showed a printout form of the voice message, both in Even and in English. It was crude and hard to understand everything that was said. And the exact transcript of the meeting won't be discussed at this time. The Evens decided to make the exchange, but not until the following year. July 1965 was set, and the location decided upon was Nevada test site. Planners did not wish to keep the same location for fear of something might leak. And they had trouble finding it. Like, they finally found it. Why would you change? <laughs> the team members were kept at Fort Leavenworth until May 1964, and they were translated to Camp Perry. The team was isolated for six months, going over the same training they received, fine-tuning their skills and learning some newer skills. This gave the team an opportunity to better understand the even language, although most of the team members had difficulty learning the language, and the two linguists on the team were able to hone their language skills, which is in contradiction of what they just said earlier. In April of 1965, the team was transported to Fort Leavenworth and confined until July of 1965, and then they were transported to Nevada. During the exchange, only a selected few officials were present. Other than that, the preparation crew of the exchange team, the even craft, landed and our team was placed on board. Note, one item that was misstated by me in earlier emails was the amount of equipment that was taken to Planet Serpo by our team. The correct amount loaded to the even spacecraft was 90,500 pounds of equipment. Oh my god. You know what? That's probably enough. We've been going on a while, so let's well, cut it here. But like... that amount of stuff that they're bringing, didn't they say when they went there originally, there wasn't any... Power source that they could use? No. When they were flying the aircraft originally on their nine month, there wasn't any... Like, what did they say? Oh, God. I have to go real far back. I know. But, um, they said yeah. there wasn't any technology on it so that they would stay comfortable. Oh, yeah. I, I think I know what you're talking about. The weightlessness. There was no weightlessness. Yes. Yes. Yeah. So when yeah. they're bringing that much on board. It has real weight. Yes. <laughs> like a lot of it. Okay. Yeah. Actually, that's probably why it went faster on the way back too. Less 90,000 pounds. Oh no, they brought stuff back though. Probably 90,000 pounds. They would have to fill it up the same, right? Maybe that's why it took them such short amount of time to get back. But yeah, it continues on this way. For the most part, the ones I skipped don't give you an overview. It goes into more specific details of things that happened. Like they talk about the team more. They talk about the training regiment. They talk about more yeah. specific things that happened on Serpo. This gives you a gist of the original story. And I don't know if you noticed this, Chelsea, but there seem to be a few things that just don't add up well. And the hilarious thing that the truthful Richard Doty is included in this episode. Uh... I didn't re I kind of forgot that it's a Richard Doty heavy little arc we're going through right now on the show. It is. You know what? It's always good for us to be talking about Richard Doty. I had no idea that he had anything was even mentioned in Serpo. Yeah. Which is uh, if he even comes up as them saying like Richard Doty's the best, I'm like red flags. This is Richard Doty. <laughs> yeah. It makes sense for it to be Richard Doty, this. Oh yeah, for sure. And it's so inconsistent. They list the light years away, and then in the actual like data that they give, it's a different amount of light years. It seems a switch from somebody just conveying information about the team to it being somebody who's a member of the team who's talking to us. The voice. The point of view changes. Yeah, like I mean, constantly. That's hilarious. And I mean, that's what you get when you're using disposable email accounts, so you can't look back on what you've already said. Yeah. <laughs> 
they don't add up and then some of the things are just weird details to include like oh it was a mountain lion but it had a furrier neck <laughs> like <Yeah>. a lion <laughs> and the even's poop looks like cat poop <laughs> <laughs> yeah. and then they can't understand the language at all except they studied it like really hard and actually fully understood it yeah no and they have but... an iq of 165 on average but they can't understand anything <laughs> and, and they constantly you... crash their planes <laughs> i i love the story of serpo but when you hear it told anywhere else that's not journey to the french or someone that's gonna pick it apart it sounds like a cohesive story so i love to hear it because you're hearing of an alien planet it's such like an extravagant story to listen to but yeah there's holes all over the place as soon as you said richard doty i was like oh man i think this is where we end this first episode is just going over the original release from here we're gonna look at what has happened since january of 2006 when these stopped coming out and we're gonna see what happens to those involved who gets involved and what most people say about this entire story at this time now <laughs> i'm excited so this is where we cut it off that's a great episode yeah and it's gonna be a lot of fun to see where this goes i have been taylor here with chelsea we are journey to the fringe thank you all for listening and we'll see you next week Thank you for listening to Journey to the Fringe. If you have liked what you have listened to, please like, share, subscribe, or follow, depending on what venue you are listening to us through. Also, please, if possible, leave a five-star review, as that really helps us in the algorithms. Should you wish to interact with us, please check us out on your social media of choice. I bet you we are there. And if you really want to communicate with us and give us ideas for new episodes, or tell us that we're wrong and terrible, either way, please send us an email at journeytothefringe at gmail.com. For now, I'll see you in the next episode. Uh